Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. It's awesome to be in the house of God today. Amen. How many of y'all feel his presence here today? Real quick, home folk, can we give all of our guests a hand today? Amen. Listen, if you are a guest here today, I just want to say this. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Before we get into God's word, I just want to say this. The vision that we have here is very simple. It's moving forward together. We're moving on from our past. How many of y'all know we all have got a past? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Somebody say amen. Amen. But I'm saved by the grace of God. Paul said, I am who I am by his grace. And so I want you to know that we want you to be a part of the vision here, moving forward together. We forward our relationship with God through next steps and small groups, and only together can we accomplish what God has called us and created us to accomplish. Hope you got a prayer card or a connect card when you came in. About halfway down, or as, as a matter of fact, at the bottom is a place for your prayer request. I would want you to fill out this. And, and um, How many of y'all know we serve a God who still answers prayers? I serve a God who still answers prayers. I serve a God that still hears me when I pray. I don't serve a God with a deaf ear. He's not dead, but he's alive. And he's alive forevermore. And I'm thankful today that we serve a God who hears us when we pray and answers our prayers. Take a few moments, you can fill this out. You can turn it in after service today. And I would love to just get to meet you and connect with you before you leave here today. Are y'all ready for the word of God? Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. You can open your Bibles, or do I say like I said two weeks ago? You can either open the real Bible, or you can turn on your phony Bible, either one. That still didn't land with some people, amen. Mark chapter 10, I wanna look at a lengthy verse of scripture today, and many of you already are doing this, something we do at Forward Church as we stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 10, I am gonna have a, a more, uh, um, a longer verse of scripture today, a lengthier verse of scripture, 30, verses 35 through 52 is what we're gonna be looking at out of Mark chapter 10. Let me set this up. I've been studying this for two weeks. I was, I put notes together and um, I told the tech team this morning, I said, I don't think I'm gonna get through all of it. I'm probably gonna give you half of it today. I'm going to give you the other half next Sunday. So just buckle your seatbelt. Setting this scripture up, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus just told his disciples what's about to happen to him. He said, I'm about to be handed over. And I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. He basically lays out the whole plan that he's, that's about to happen. He knows what's about to happen. So keep that, keep that in mind as we read this text. He had, he, he's just got done finishing that conversation with his disciples. And we pick up Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, a.k.a. the sons of thunder, they came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. How bold is that? It's pretty bold, right? I mean, y'all know boldness necessarily isn't a bad thing. 
And they said to him, grant us that we, as a matter of fact, let me back up, verse 36. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may set one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you ask. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. As a matter of fact, three words in English, one word in the Greek right there, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the 10 heard it, how many of y'all know church people get their feathers ruffled sometimes? <laughs> Come on, y'all got to liven up in here this morning. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. So you got a church dispute going on. And if you ain't careful, you might have a church split. So that's what we do. That's what Christians do, right? <laughs> but Jesus called them to himself. Notice what he does right here. He called them to himself and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and there are great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whosoever or whoever desires to be great among you shall be what? Your servant. Shall be your what? Servant. I need to get some participation going on. That way you can wake up. And whoever you, of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be what? Served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I want to continue on right here because the very next story is the is two stories together that really puts this into perspective. Remember, and they're traveling to where? Jerusalem, right? And we know the path. Many of y'all who study the Bible, you know the path to Jerusalem. A lot of goes through Jericho. And it says, now they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude was following him, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, did he, did he see him yet? No, but he what? He, come on, somebody help me out. Did he see him yet? No, but he what? He heard. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. Can't, man, these, these church people are just getting on my nerves right here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but he cried out all the more. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just going to get louder. Look at your other neighbor and say, might get loud. Go home, listen to that song. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. 
Then they called the blind man. Attitude change. Attitude change right here. They called the blind man saying, be of good cheer. I could just sense when Jesus said, call for him, they, they with the confused look on their face, a lot, a lot like some of you sometimes when I preach. I'm just playing. Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Notice the faith right here. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Verse 51, again, so Jesus answered and said to him, what did he say? What do you want me to do for you? Does that sound familiar? That's the same question he proposed to who? James and John. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Today, I just want to bring to you a message that I've titled, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Will you pray with me? God, I love you. And I thank you, God, for this opportunity to preach your word today. God, I pray, God, that you would hide me behind your cross. Let everything that I say and everything that I do, let it be ordained by you. Nothing more, nothing less. Let these words pierce the hearts of this congregation that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers. And God, I'll just be quick to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Look at two or three people and tell them to get ready. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. What do you want me to do for you? As a matter of fact, you can, you can uh, interpret that title a few different ways. Somebody can reads that title and says, what do you want me to do for you? With a smile on their face. Other people, when they read that title, depending on your approach to the word of God and your approach to God, a lot of y'all hear that question like this. What do you want me to do for you? And depending on how you view God and how you approach God is probably going to determine how you hear this title today. Now, I want you to know, I hear it like Jesus saying with anticipation, what do you want me to do for you? I believe he proposed that question the same way to both groups of people. See, we find in our text, Jesus, he proposed the same question to two different people or people groups, if you will. What's the question? What do you want me to do for you? On one hand, we have the disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder. And although the request of these two thunderers, if you will, was wrong-headed, at least it denoted faith that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. At least it denoted that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom and enter into his glory. Meaning this, they did not lack faith in Jesus. I need to hear an amen right there. Amen. amen. Praise God. I'm going to coach you through this today. It's going, we're going to get through this. I know you're still full of turkey, but we're going to get through this. Amen. Punch your neighbor and say, we're going to get through this. Praise God. James and John had faith that Jesus was going to enter into his glory. So their question didn't lack faith, but Jesus obviously understood that 
the question and their request denoted some type of, it was something wrong. It, the attitude, the request, the, the heart behind it, there was something wrong about what they were requesting. And Jesus dealt gently with them. Jesus didn't just call them out and say, how dare you? I can't use a lot of the words that, are, that I would have probably used right there. I'm behind the pulpit today. Come on, somebody. You crazies. You, you, you know, he, I, a lot of us would have just started calling them names, right? Because that's how sanctified we are. Amen? Amen. Oh, don't act like you're more holier than me. I've seen some of y'all out in public before. I'm just joking, Lord. Don't get all, get your feathers ruffled. At least you're awake now. I had to do something to get you awake. But Jesus dealt with them gently. What did the Bible say he did? He pulled them, he pulled them close to him. He said, come here. And the petty selfishness of his followers at a time like this really is what stands out to me the most about their request. This was a time when I believe Jesus' mind was full and fixated on what lie ahead of him. He had just finished telling his disciples that I'm going to be handed over and I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die. And in light of all of that, he had just told his disciples, they didn't view it like, they, it, it, I don't know, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but it wasn't, it, I, I don't sense that they were really concerned about what was about to take place. James and John was more concerned about what would happen to them when it took place. So Jesus pulled them in, and when his mind was full of all that lie ahead at Jerusalem, I can only imagine that it cut Jesus to the quick. And they sought from Jesus a type of monarch's gift, a king's gift, a blank check, if you will. How many of y'all has ever maybe wanted a blank check from you, from your friend or from your spouse or... Just hand them the credit card and just say, how fun, sweetheart. Because James and John, that's essentially what they did to Jesus. They called him and they said, grant us whatever we ask. Now, I don't know about you, but when my kids come to me and they ask me, Dad, will you do me a favor? If you go ahead and you say yes at that point, you have more boldness than I do. I don't say yes at that point. I say, you tell me what it is, and then I'll tell you whether or not I'll do you a favor. And this was not an uncommon thing. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of kings throughout the scripture. We read about the dancing girl in, in front of, was it King Herod? And it pleased the king and he said, tell me what you want up to what? Half of my kingdom. And I'll 
give it to you. See, a lot of kings, they would write a blank check, if you will, but they would put a what? A limit on it. They'd hand them the credit card, but it'd have a credit limit. It wouldn't be unlimited. But here Jesus was, and his disciples said, do whatever we ask. Now Jesus right here, being the son of God, being as only Jesus can be, goes ahead and in all boldness says, what do you want me to do for you? In his wisdom, he doesn't necessarily say, yeah, sure. As he is a wise king, he asked them, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, as usual, first allows the brothers to display their own spiritual depth or shallowness by disclosing their aims. Basically, Jesus, by asking them, what do you want me to do for you, is testing them in a way. He's, he's testing their spiritual depth. He's testing the heart behind their request. And so, it is by, listen, it's by our aims, not our achievements, that we stand judged. Meaning this, it's not what we do, it's why we do what we do. And it's not necessarily what we want or what we desire, it's why we desire what we desire. It's not necessarily our achievements, it's our heart behind. It's the aim in which we are doing what we're doing. Jesus doesn't necessarily just look at what you do. He looks at why you do what you do. Jesus said this. As a matter of fact, this is, this is not in my notes. Somebody say this is for free. This is for free. It's a tough crowd in here this morning. I'm doing the best I can. Jesus said this when he was, when he was teaching. He said, he said now, they were, they were arguing over adultery and this and that and the other and trying to trap you. Jesus just took it a step further. He said, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already. Meaning the act had not even been committed, but the aim was already there in the heart. And so Jesus was testing what they aimed for. And a lot of times it's what you aim for. And it's why we do what we do. Jesus said this in scripture. He said, there's gonna be many of those that when they stand before the throne in heaven, they're gonna be looking at this great white throne of judgment and they're gonna say this, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Meaning what they did was good. Come on, help me, please, liven up a little bit in here if you can. It would just help me out. We, what we did was good, but he said, here's what you're going to hear. A lot of people's going to hear this. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Amen. See, it wasn't just what they did. It was why they do what they do. And a lot of times, uh, uh, church people do good things. Come on, somebody, amen or oh me. But not everybody has the best of intentions behind why we do what we do. And I'm trying to get somewhere here today because if we could, 
compare and contrast these two different scriptures between the two disciples and blind Bartimaeus, which I, I don't know if I'm going to get to today, one of their requests was not answered. The other request was answered. Both of them had faith. So it wasn't a lack of faith. A lot of times our prayers, we, when, we, when, when our prayers doesn't get answered, we always will, well, they must have not, they, they didn't believe. Well, they didn't have faith. Well, they weren't living right. With this, that, we always want to find an excuse of why this didn't happen or why this did happen. Now, God is God. He can do whatever he pleases to do whenever he pleases because he's the author, the finisher of our faith. He's the creator of this universe. He created you and me. He gave us life. But in this instance, the disciples' request was not answered. And it was not a desire to be near Jesus at the moment of triumph which moved them to this request. They simply wanted for themselves the highest post in the new kingdom. It wasn't their heart to be close to Jesus when they said, let one of us sit at your left and the other sit at your right. Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knew that it wasn't like Jesus was just, just gullible right here in this moment say, oh, James and John, how sweet. Y'all just want to be close to me. No, he saw through it. He understood. Y'all aren't desiring to be close to me. Y'all just want for yourself a high post in my kingdom. And a lot of times, we've got to understand that it's the heart behind the request. It was ambition, not loyalty, that motivated them. Now, is, is ambition always a bad thing? No. But in this case, it was selfish ambition. It was not ambition for the kingdom of God. It was ambition for who? Self. They were self-centered. Self, now, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be encouraging and uplifting. As a matter of fact, I told my staff, be encouraging, be edifying today. I said, probably the congregation is going to come in. They've been traveling all week long. They're going to be tired. They're going to be full of, of turkey and, and, and Thanksgiving dressing. And it's probably going to be deader than a doornail in here. I spoke it. I'm sorry. I said, so let's do our best to be uplifting today. But what I didn't tell them is that the uplifting part of this message is the second half, which I'm probably not going to get to until... Because the first half deals with a bunch of... Mm, a bunch of religious church people that thinks that they're better than everybody, but they don't realize that it's only by the grace of God that we've been saved and the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than somebody else. The Holy Spirit makes you better than you. I'm about to preach. We about to get freedom in here. It's 1123 and we just now have in church. It took us an hour and 23 minutes, but we're almost there. James and John, after all, they were not only members of the 12, but they were members of the three. They were members of the three. Y'all know that principle? The 12, three, one principle? See, out of, 
Out of the multitudes, Jesus called how many? Twelve. But out of the twelve, Jesus had how many? Three that he would, y'all stay here, Peter, James, and John. He said, y'all going to come a little further. Y'all going to get to see things that not everybody else sees. And see, James and John right here, they were like, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm on the deacon's board. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a little bit better than those other, those 10 over there. I don't know about Peter. Peter, he's, he, you know. But those other ones, yeah. And they thought, they said, hey, we're worthy of this. Moreover, the brothers were known to and possibly related to the high priest, according to John chapter 18, verse 15. They were related. They had family. So doubtless, they were well-connected. I could preach on church politics right here, but I ain't got time. And therefore, they thought that they were well-fitted for such a high office. I deserve to sit at your right and your left, Jesus, because I've got family I've got a heritage. I've got status. I've got clout. Do I have to say that, Jesus? I gave more. Never mind. No, I'm not going there. We, we can't just fill in the blank. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, somebody say, if we're not careful, we'll think that our resume. Our resume is what makes us worthy to be close to Jesus. I'm about to take my jacket off. See, they're not just, I don't even need to get on the playoff committee right now. I'll stay on that for 10 minutes. And The most deserving or the best? It, pick one or the other. You can't have it anyway. They thought, James and John thought that they were worthy because of their resume, because of who their mom and daddy is. And there was double irony in their request in that when they said, let us be on your right, let us be on your left. Y'all want to know who was on Jesus' right and who was on Jesus' left in his moment of glory? Two crucified terrorists one on his right, one on his left, at the moment, a lot of times when we pray and when we ask for things, we don't even understand what we ask for sometimes. That's why Jesus looked at him and said, are you able to drink of this cup that I'm drinking and be baptized? And I almost could sense in their response, see, it's three words in English, we are able but as a matter of fact, if you, if you go back into the original, it's one word. Now, I don't know if sometimes when I get a short response, I'm like, I don't really know how to take that. You ever seen a text? 
And they just respond, K. I'm like, I don't really know how to take that. Whether their brief reply was this self-confident spirit or their quiet answer was this sudden, uh, so they were maybe suddenly sobered by the words of Jesus. Like, you're, you, you're going to, are you able? Meaning, I think that they were confident up until this point. I think they felt like they were all that in a bag of tater chips. I think that they were, they were all, had their chest poked out. And then when Jesus said what he said, uh, yeah, we're able. He said, indeed, you will drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from and be baptized with the same baptism. We know what happens later. I'm not going to get into that. We know that both were martyred for their faith. And whichever it is, it brings the assurance from Jesus that the price they will in any case pay for this In this instance, it's really the price for everyone to follow Jesus. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. Crucify your flesh, meaning the old you, you're dead. This is, this is I told you, this is, wait, come back next week, please. <laughs> meaning when you make the choice to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're dead. The Bible says it's no longer I who live. And so the, the, does that not bring so much more understanding of their request being all about? Gee, it's almost like I could, I could hear, have you not followed me for three and a half years? Have I not taught you anything? Now he dealt with them tenderly. But those who follow Jesus cannot haggle at terms. They're not, there are not two levels of Christian discipleship. There's only one. Can I preach right there? DJ's playing the keyboard. Meaning we're about to close, right? No, keep playing though. See, a lot of us, no, not any of us because we're all good, right? Some people, let's just word it that way. Some people, when they come to Jesus, it's like a negotiation. You know what I mean? It's like they want to negotiate. They think that it's negotiable. Jesus, I'll follow you, but guess what? I'm going to still, we'll still hang on to this. There's some things that I'm really, that I really, this is for me, because I deserve this, right, Jesus? Listen to me. Listen to me. Hear my heart. It's not that Jesus just wants you to live this life of poor, pitiful, I gave up everything. No, he wants you, I'm getting, I'm going somewhere. He wants you to submit to him in humility so, he, so you can actually experience the better things that he has for you in your life. But until you, until you truly lay those things down, you'll never really experience the better things. You might be giving up good things, 
But in place, Jesus is going to replace those good things with even better things. But if you keep holding on to what you think is the good things, you'll never experience the better things. Jesus told them that their request was not his to determine, but only the Father's. He said, this has already been determined. It's not up to me. And this is a reminder that even the Son, even the Son of God, even Jesus himself was in submission to who? The Father. Perfect submission. Not out of, oh, i got to submit to the Father. No, that was his heart. It was what he, he said, I'm here. I'm just here to tell you what he's already told me. I'm just here to be a reflection of my Father to you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this was a voluntary acceptance of this position by the Son. It was voluntary. Humility and submission, listen to me, are not popular Christian virtues today. Humility and submission, but they are basic. Somebody say they're basic. For they are founded on the servant example of Jesus himself. Jesus said in this scripture, he said, if greatness is actually in what? Serving. Greatness is in serving. Can I make a bold statement? If you want to be great and you're not serving, you don't want to be great. Maybe not in kingdom terms. In worldly terms, maybe. I've seen it before where we've had, never mind, I'm not going there today. Everyone, listen to me, everyone desires authority, but there is no authority without humility and submission. I'm speaking from the heart today. You want authority over your situation? How many of y'all want authority over your situation? I had 20 people just raise their hand. That means there's... Pray for me. Help me. I'm trying all I can to be good today. We want authority over our situation. Or at least when we get in trouble, we do, right? When we get in trouble... When your marriage gets on the rocks, when your kids is going astray, when somebody gets sick, when you got bills you can't pay, when somebody's in the hospital, we want authority, right? We want authority. How can we expect to have authority in those times when we won't submit to God in the good times? Is that okay? Now, he's good. And when times are, when, in bad times, if, if you'll submit, you'll humble yourself, and you won't come to God. And I think that's a lot of times we come to God like, we, we deserve this. God, I deserve this, God. And it's our attitude that, 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 we miss a lot of times. And God's, we get, we get that, we like to use that scripture. Jesus said, ask anything. Ask anything. 
but what does he say? Ask anything in what? My name. And we'll even take that scripture out of context. We will. And I'm using this an extreme example here. God, I want a million dollars in the name of Jesus. I asked in his name. And then when God don't answer that prayer, he ain't God. He don't love me. He ain't for... And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... Who is the Word? Jesus Christ. Meaning this, is there not promises... Is there boundaries also? Ask anything in his name could also, and I'm not, I don't think I'm doing the scripture, ask anything according to. There's a lot of things that we ask that's not according to this word. James and John was asking something right here. It's a prime example of something was not according to the Word of God. It was not according to the Word of God. And notice what the other disciples did. The 10 in turn, the other 10, they betrayed their spiritual shallowness. All of a sudden, they wasn't shallow anymore. They had spiritual depth now. They were, they were deep in this point because it was somebody else who was doing wrong. That'll preach. See, when, it's, when, it's, when we're in the wrong, we want everybody, oh, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, it's true, everybody makes mistakes. But you know what? When it's you, that's, when, it's, when it's somebody else that's messing up, you can't all of a sudden act like you ain't never made a mistake either. And here's what the 10 was doing right here. They were indignant. They were mad. See, our basic character is shown by those things that provoke our strongest reactions. Can I say that again? Because that... <sighs> our basic character, meaning who you really are, not who you're at on... who you are when you're, when you're at church on Sundays. Not who you are when you're in front of everybody else. But your true character is really provoked and it's really shown by those things that provoke our strongest reactions. Meaning what you react to the strongest. And there is a world of difference between what had stirred the indignation of Jesus and the indignation of the 10. Jesus justly rebukes the two and the 10 all at one time. Meaning it was really all 12 of them that had an issue right here. I, I can't, I know I'm prolonging this, but can, can I just put yourself in, in Jesus' shoes for a moment? Can you not just, it's like, hadn't I taught y'all anything? You think Jesus has ever been that way with me or you? Like, hadn't I taught you anything? Don't you know nothing? It's like... <laughs> He's slumping down over there. You see him? It's like they do something sometimes. I taught y'all anything. But he loves us. 
Jesus justly rebukes both the two and the ten all at once by showing to them their common ignorance of the very nature of Christian leadership. The very nature of Christian leadership, he said the Gentiles lord it over. Meaning those in the world exercise authority, they lord that authority over one another. True greatness in the kingdom of God is humbleness and servanthood. Meaning if you wanna be great, you gotta learn how to serve. I made a post on Facebook one time, I believe it was in Forward Church Family. Say being a Christian is a lot, lot like playing tennis. If you wanna be great, you gotta learn how to serve. And would you not believe that I still had one person on their comment like, they had an issue with that? I'm like, it's in the Bible. I mean, it's in the Bible. You gotta learn how to serve. Look at your neighbor and say, we gotta serve. Look at your other neighbor and say, Jesus did it first. All such leadership is only humble service, for it takes its color from the example of Jesus. Jesus exampled this. He modeled it. He said, the Bible actually said, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. I'm, I'm landing this plane. I've already went 10 minutes over. Listen, closeness to Jesus Closeness to him is not therefore something at which to just grasp that thought thoughtlessly. A person is never closer to Christ as they are when they are serving others. Becoming, in other words, becoming like Jesus means becoming servant-hearted. It's almost impossible to call it's, it's impossible for me to call myself a Christian and not have a servant's heart. Now translate that to you. If you want to be more Christ-like, serve. Some may desire recognition or to exercise the power Jesus functioned in. Listen to me. Did not Jesus function in power? You know why Jesus? Now he's the son of God, obviously. But Jesus modeled what we are to do in order to function in power and authority. He humbled himself, not thinking, the Bible says, not thinking of himself as more highly, but he took on the position of one of us. He humbled himself. He became sin who knew no sin in order that we be could become his righteousness. And we are only who we are by the grace of God. And I challenge every single person under the sound of my voice today, never to allow pride to enter into your spirit or into your heart and to think more highly of yourself than what you ought to because it's only by the grace of God that we are saved. It's only by the blood of Jesus that my sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. And it's only by the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one name in heaven on earth by which we are saved. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. The primary call to the church is to secure and multiply Jesus' model of servanthood by creating an atmosphere and ministry emphasis that produces servants. You know why we emphasize next steps so much in this church? Because we believe that if we can get you in next steps, then it'll open up the door and the opportunity for you to serve in the kingdom of God. 
And you are never truly more like Jesus until you are serving in a local body. Listen to me. Whether you're a small group leader, I guarantee you there was somebody out there on the golf cart this morning in the rain helping shuttle people in. We should have had four or five this morning. I would buy four or five golf carts if I had four or five men that were willing to go out there in that parking lot and shuttle people in. The problem sometimes is what the Word of God says. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You know why? Pick up your toes and come back next week, okay? Please come back next week. We're going to get to the good part next week. The problem is because we have bought into this Western culture of church shopping and what can my church do for me? Sick people need a doctor. If you're not saved today, we're here for you. Jesus is here for you. But if you've been saved, sanctified, blood-bought by the child, by Most High King, then guess what? You're well. You need to be serving. Are you convicted yet? Last thing, the ability and opportunity to serve are gifts from God. And true growth, when it is pure, will produce the fruit of service. A true move of the Holy Spirit is going to produce fruit. True revival is going to produce fruit. I don't want to throw out that term revival. I'm closing with this. I don't want to throw out that term, well, we're in revival. And the community be asking, well, where's the fruit? Because if we're not taking what we're experiencing in here and going outside the four walls and actually producing fruit and serving our community, serving the ones that actually are in need with what we're receiving in here, then it, it, it's become all about us. Punch your neighbor and say, check your heart. Check your heart. I'm gonna, everybody stand. I'm gonna try to land this plane. I didn't get to preach last week, so you just have to forgive me. I had to go a little longer today, amen. We're gonna talk about blind Bartimaeus next week. It's gonna be good. Look at your neighbor and say, it's gonna be good. Don't miss it. If you got plans next Sunday, cancel them. Be here. Be here. Here's how I'm going to close. Jesus walked up to James and John. He walked up to blind Bartimaeus too, and he asked them a question. He said this. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is here today, and he's asking you the same question. He's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? God actually desires to meet the needs of his children. I believe that with all of my heart. He desires to meet the needs of his children. A lot of times we have not because we ask not, but I want you to understand there's commandments 
There's promises, but there's also boundaries in this word. And I believe this, that if you'll come with the right heart, with the right attitude, what is the right heart and the right attitude? Humbleness. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Not thinking of yourself more highly or that you deserve this, Jesus. It's all about your approach. It's all about your attitude. It's all about your heart. Humble yourself. Come to Him. Some of you might need salvation today. God's still in the saving business. His blood is still as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago when it was shed on the cross of Calvary. And I believe that if you'll humble yourself and confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just, the Bible says, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, to save us. But I'm just going to be honest with you today. Can, can I, I've been honest so far, so I'm not even going to ask you permission right now. I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Amen. Some of us are saved, and we're doing nothing with it. We're doing nothing with it. We're still selfishly seeking and building up our own kingdom. And it's all about, if you're saved today, maybe it's not salvation that you need to be seeking for, but maybe it's a commitment to serve. Maybe it's a commitment to, to say, hey, Pastor Brandon, I'm going to sign up for Next Steps this week. I'm going to be in Next Steps next Sunday. And guess what? Two weeks from now, I don't care if it's the parking, I don't care if it's snowing, I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if, if I've got 20 kids in the toddler or 30 kids in the toddler screaming, hollering, spitting, biting. How many of y'all know they do that sometimes? I'm going to love them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus because they're created in his image. And I'm going to praise God for having 30 or 40 toddlers in the toddler room instead of, instead of, never mind. <laughs> praise God. I love y'all. But there is a lost and dying world. And I want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in these last days. Amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.